If you um, are relatively new here, um, I'm not new. <laughs> I am one of the pastors at Connect, but my name is John, and you may not know me, but um, I am part of the team here. So, um, as you know, <laughs> who had their hearing aid on too loud? <laughs> okay, um, and now I'm, I'm I dead completely. Okay, so, so as you can see, the, the, the series we're in is, is Reimagining Church. And, and again, just to remind you, why do a series entitled Reimagining Church? And there is a reason for that. The reason for that is, is when we go back to the scriptures and when we go back to God's word, we, we discover that along the way, and we've been, the church has been going for a long time now, by the way. Um, not this church, but that church. And, and you know what happens along the way? You start to lose some of the things that were, were integral to church and doing church together. And so we keep having to go back and we have to keep looking and saying, God, what have we lost that needs to be regained? Where do we need to regain ground? So, so that's, that's kind of what, what we're doing at the moment. I believe when you read about church in the New Testament, it was like the most exciting group of people to be part of. Second to none. When I, when I talk to people today, I discover people quite bored with church. I discover there's a large exodus of people from the church. I hear a lot of people saying, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church. Which tells me something went wrong somewhere, surely. If, if the church was so dynamic and so exciting that, and I know we can't just take from there into here, but people were meeting together every day because it was so exciting to be together. That was the dynamic of church. And, and if we can't kind of get together like even once a week for like an hour or so, then something has gone wrong, guys. Church has got to be, we've got to get it back to what God intended it to be. Otherwise, the same old, same old is going to keep uh, happening. So today we're going to look at what uh, it means to hear from God through what we call pro prophecy or the gift of prophecy uh, that's the key thing that we're going to look at today. So before we do that, a couple things. First of all, Tom had a picture. Um, Tom, there's a mic here somewhere. Uh, okay, that one. So Tom had a picture while we were praying. So by the way, that little room over there is quite small, but we pray there before we meet in the morning because we want to hear from God, pray over what's going to happen. So you're always welcome to join us. But Tom had a picture of a... Of, of a little bit of what he sensed God was saying to us uh, for this morning. So I want to ask him to share that, and we're going to pray over that before we go on. Yeah, the, the, am I on? Um, the picture that I had really was um, of a hot air balloon, and it was in the Messiah Mara. Um, I, I've had the privilege of working through almost all the countries in sub-Saharan Africa, and some of the fiercest people that I've met are the Messiah. Um, they are serious warriors. And they were watching this balloon getting filled up, and this air was, the balloon was going up and up and up as it was being filled with, the, with, this, with this air. And they were, some people turned to them and invited them into the basket of the balloon, and it started to rise. Now, these are people who have always spent their lives on the ground, and they, the furthest they could see was sort of the trees and the, and the hills. But as they rose and rose above 
the Maasai Mara. So they, they just saw this awesome expanse, this beautiful plain that went for miles and miles and miles and miles. And they just had a totally different view of the world that they um, were living in. And as, they, as the balloon came down, their world was totally different. It would never be the same again. And I really had a sense today that for some people here, if not everybody here, um, actually going into that balloon and coming down again, um, your lives will never be the same again. Yeah. Okay, thanks, Tom. So, so this, this sort of, okay, you might say, well, that's the picture. What's it mean? And what we're really having a sense of God saying, I want to expand your vision. I want to expand the way you see things. That makes sense to you? Because, you know, it's possible to have tunnel vision even as Christians. You can see just like this with blinkers on. You know, you, sometimes those you still see in Cape Town, I'm still amused by that, uh, those carts with horses that pull them. And if you notice, they put blinkers on. So, so that horse can only see what's in front of it, can't see around it. But there's a whole world around that, even though that horse has got blinkers on. And I think sometimes that's what happens to the church. We've got blinkers on, and God's moving all over the show in most amazing ways, but we're very blinkered, and we're not really seeing... Uh, what God is doing. So I want us just to pray over that before we go any further uh, as we look at the subject of prophecy. So a few of you lead us in prayer. And this is not a one-man show here this morning. This is a, everybody is part of what's happening. And uh, so a few of you just pray over that. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to increase our perspective this morning, increase our vision, increase our awareness of what the Lord is doing. That's right. Yeah.
Amen. Amen. Awesome. So, so just one of the scriptures that came to mind just as people were praying was Jesus believed, Jesus believed that 12 people could change the world. That's perspective. Interestingly enough to me, we believe we need a million people to change the world. How we have changed. We've looked at numbers Jesus looked at 12 people filled with the Spirit. And they did. They did. They did. All right. Um, so as we come to this whole thing of prophecy, some of you are familiar with this, um, this gifting that um, we see in, um, in the New Testament. And uh, we see it in the Old Testament as well. But I've, asked, um, I've just asked two people to briefly share with you, what happens to them when they get a prophetic word? So Sharon, come and, come and share with us how it works for you. When you're getting this prophetic word, you like hear an audible voice. Um, you know, how does it work for you when you're getting this word from God? And how do you know kind of when it is from Him too? Sometimes I think the easiest thing to do um, is to, for me to say, Lord, give me a prophetic word for this morning. That's what I've been doing. Um, and I don't know if I'm jumping the gun here, John, but um, so, so, so that I can be fully aware again and reminded of, of what it is and how I experience hearing the Lord. We talk about um, hearing the Lord, but, but, but my experience is that I get, a, I get a sense of a, of a heaviness, a good heaviness, not a bad heaviness, of the presence of God. So I become aware of the presence of God. And then my heart starts to, to beat a little bit faster. And then I'm thinking, okay, Lord, this is of you. Um, and then he, he, we talk about getting a... a People talk, well, I talk about getting a picture, but actually the experience of it is I get an impression in my heart, because that's how God speaks to me. So I get this impression in my heart, and it begins to form. It could either be a word, it could be um, a, a, a sense of a flowing river, um, it, it, and then I sit with that and I say to the Lord, okay, what, do you, wh what is this? And I begin to ask questions so that he gives me understanding of what, he, he is, um, what he's impressing in my heart. And so, so that's, that's how I okay. experience it. And I'm, I'm stepping a little bit further out with that at the moment in my journey, because what I'm seeking of the Lord is that he not only gives me that impression in my heart, but he actually tells me what he wants to do with it. Mm. So, so there, is a, there is a space that opens up that, that I know we, we, can, we can move into. Mm. Um, yeah. Okay, thanks, Sharon. Um, I'll ask Tom if he's going to do that, and then, John, you'll be off to that. Um, so, so just... Some comments around that. This is kind of I'm making the sermon as I go along. So, uh, 
but, but I think when it comes to the prophetic, there are always three things involved there. There's the word itself, there's the interpretation of the word, and then there's the application. So you might get a picture of a river, or Tom had a picture of a hot air balloon. Well, what's that mean? You know, what is like Messiah hot air balloon? It's like, why Messiah? Why not a South African? Why not a Tosa or a Zulu or, uh, you know, but Messiah warriors? You remember Tom mentioned that. So there's a significance there. There's the hot air balloon perspective. So that's, that's, that's the interpretation. But what is God saying to the church? And then what do we need to do with it? That's the application of it. All right. I mean, I think that I've, I've never really seen myself as operating in the prophetic. I actually believe that um, it's the Holy Spirit that's always within me. Um, and when I have prayed for a prophetic word, God allows me to do that. And, and it's nothing, you know, it's, I think all of the gifts are right there. And, and I can exercise it when I can. It is a bit like stepping out of the boat onto the water, though. Um, because it does, take, it does take a bit of courage, and it does mean that actually you've got to keep your eye on God. So what you're doing is not necessarily yourself. It actually should be pointing to God all the time and glorifying God, and that's kind of the test that I always give it. But, but essentially, I do see things in pictures. Um, I sometimes will hear it in music, which is a bit weird. Um, I, I will know whether it's a good or a bad situation, um, but the picture is always very, very clear, and sometimes it can be a bit bizarre, so I will ask God what it means. And sometimes he says, you know, it's actually not for you to know. It's actually not your mm. message. Mm. Um, and then I actually ask permission, and, and t t what tends to happen there is always an emotional reaction. It's either really excitement, or the other day I, I really saw this, um, it was a sack that was over somebody, and I hated the sack. For no, for no reason at all. It was just like an irrational emotion. And there very clearly was something that was, you know, um, holding this person back. Um, but it's always some kind of an emotional, re emotional reaction. And then I ask permission from the Holy Spirit as to whether I can give it. And sometimes he says no. Um, sometimes he says yes, share it. Mm. Um, and he doesn't always give me a clear understanding of what it is. I mean, I can remember just having a picture once of a boat going through water. And I just said, Lord, this doesn't make sense. Um, and when I gave the picture, the person said, that's insane. And I thought, okay. <laughs> Maybe it is. I shouldn't have given it. But it, it actually was spot on. You know, so there is sometimes no rational reason. But, God is, but the Holy Spirit just says, share that, share that picture. Okay, so you'll notice a couple of, you can give that to John. You, you notice a couple of things that Thomas said about the prophetic is sometimes God, God gives you something. Do you have permission to share it? You don't always, because you get a word from God doesn't automatically mean you must share it. So there is God, what do I mean? Because sometimes the Lord gives you a prophetic word to pray into. So you, it's, it's to direct your prayers. It's actually not to deliver in the sense of sharing it with somebody. Um, the other thing that you notice is that Tom says, sometimes I don't know what it means. And you need to share that if God tells you, even if you don't know what it means. And here's the reason. Sometimes somebody's already had the picture you shared with them, and it's God's confirmation. Uh, and, and I've just seen that over and over again. Sometimes the interpretation isn't for you. It's for the person receiving the word. And so we share the picture... And then we say to the person, I don't know what that means, but I feel God wanted me to give it anyway. Does that make sense to you? 
All right, so, so we, we are talking about quite a big subject over here of the way we hear from God, the way the prophetic works, and then the different dynamics involved. And there's the word itself or the picture or whatever God is saying. There's the interpretation, and then there's the application. What am I supposed to do with that? So never ask God for a prophetic word unless you're willing to act on it. And I'll tell you why. Because you become accountable for what God has said then. And you are then answerable to God for disobedience if you get a word from Him. I see that as being very significant. John, how's that work for you? Well, for me, in actual fact, I, I, I've got a gift of tongues. But what happens is I often will pray in the language and then I'll wait and I actually get the interpretation of that or somebody else will get the interpretation of that. I do get um, visions of things too. And then there's discernment. I'll look at somebody and say, oh... That, that person needs to be prayed for. You know, they're looking, there's, there's something going on in their lives. And, and so that's the other side too, that you get a, a word of knowledge about somebody that something's not quite right there. But it's often it, you, you're looking for something that's really going to be significant because you think, I need to give this person really something significant. And it often isn't significant. It can often be a couple of words that really mm. don't make any sense to you. Yeah. And, and, and often I've been disobedient. I, I won't come out with those couple of words because it doesn't seem significant. I'm thinking, well, what change is that really going to make in their lives? You know, I'm just giving them two words, Lord. So what's the point of that? You know, so sometimes I in actual fact hold back and I actually don't come forward with, with that and I'll find somebody else in the same, will come up with the same thing. I thought, oh Lord, I, I missed it, but thank you for mm. bringing somebody else to do it. So it's often it really is a, it's a fear that we have of that not stepping out. And I think we all, we all get that because we're saying, well, really, is this for you, Lord, or is this from my own spirit? And look, many do pray out their own spirits because they see something and they really feel that emotion for that. We've got to be careful of that. But, but um, you never can go wrong if you're going to give something good to somebody, mm. really. Okay. And I think an important aspect, I'll talk about it a little bit later, but is when somebody brings a word, if you, that resonates with you, we need to confirm the word as well. Because um, remember... When you're giving a word like that, you're stepping out in faith, and then you sit down and you say, I hope I didn't mess it up. Has that ever happened yeah. to you? It happens to me. And then it's so wonderful if somebody says, I just want to recognize and affirm that's a word from the Lord. Because God, they're, they're, the prophetic ministry is happening in many people's lives, not just one, one person uh, in whose life it's happening. So one of the most important aspects, and I want to if I can emphasize this this morning, one of the most important aspects of the New Testament church is that believers like you and me are able to hear God speaking. One of the main functions, if I can say, of the New Testament church is that we are people who hear from God and declare what God is saying. And that happened with the outpouring of the Spirit. Chris, you can just put up that scripture. I want you to see what, with the outpouring of the Spirit, what was very limited, of course, in the Old Testament now becomes for all people. So this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel in the last days. The last days is from the first coming of Jesus until the second coming of Jesus. So don't think the last days is just before he comes. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people and your sons and your daughters. That's generational. 
will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. All different ways of hearing from God. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirits in those days and they will prophesy. Have you noticed one of the most important things of the outpouring of the Spirit was communication? God speaking through the prophetic. And so what makes the role of the prophetic so important is that every believer, every believer, every believer has been given the ability to hear from God. That's hugely important. It's no longer for select people, it's for every believer. So I've got quite a lot, so I'm going to try and move through this quite quickly because I want us to do some ministry at the end. So let's look at why prophecy is a spiritual gift. Yes. Yeah, sure. Okay. So prophecy is simply a word from the Lord for the people of God. And so that can involve just something for the now. Prophecy can often address issues that need to be addressed. So, for example, God can bring a prophetic word about the direction the church is going. Just say, God wants to say this to the church. Or it can also be future in the sense of uh, what's still to come. So it's quite wide. But I'm going to talk about that in a minute, Cora, in terms of what prophecy is in the New Testament context. Because I think it's slightly different from the Old to the New. So we, most of us know about the Old Testament prophets, Isaiah and Jeremiah, prophesying doom and gloom and judgment over people. That's not the role of prophecy in the New Testament. Just for any of you that feel that. And, and I say that because we've all got our own personalities as well. God works through our personalities. And there are some people that have kind of got a little bit of a, you know, they, they're kind of more critical in nature. And so they are the ones that are going to get a, like a doom and gloom heavy, the wrath of God kind of a message. But that's not what it's all about. So I want us to look at prophecy as a spiritual gift. And, and here's the, what the Bible says about the prophetic in the New Testament. It's for the benefit of the church. Prophecy is meant to be beneficial. In other words, prophecy is given for a number of reasons. There's the scripture. Everyone speaks to men for there. Here are the three things. Strengthening. Secondly, encouragement. And thirdly, for comfort. That's, those are the primary reasons God gives prophecy in the New Testament. You'll notice it's very different to the Old. Now, it doesn't mean there isn't a foretelling, which is about the future. I'm going to give you some examples of foretelling in a minute. But a lot of it, a lot of it is about God speaking to His people now about what's happening in their lives right now. So, so one of the, the most important things about prophecy is that we, it's one of the ways in which we hear God speaking to us. Not the only one, but it's one of the ways that, that God speaks to us. And, and what prophecy does is, is, is it, it brings perspective. Now, I want to give you an example of that. So uh, it was probably hmm, maybe four or five months ago, I found I was going through quite a challenging time in my own spiritual life. There were certain areas I found I was really wrestling with and struggling through. And, and I almost found like my prayer life became heavy. I was like almost this obstacle battle that I was going. It was, seemed a bit of a dry time. So I said, Lord, what's going on over here? 
And so God spoke to me in that situation. He said, this is a time of growth. Okay, so suddenly it felt where it felt like I was up against a barrier. God reinterpreted that through me, for me, through his word. So I suddenly began to understand this is a growing time. And then I said, Lord, bring it on. Because who doesn't want to grow? You see, if, you, if you're going to... If you're going to say you're going to run a, a marathon, let's say a half marathon so nobody gets put off here this morning. <laughs> say you're going to do just a half marathon. You have to put yourself through some training. And the training is usually hard. And the training is going to stretch you. And the training is meant to take you beyond where you are now, right? That, that's what training is. So, so I began to see God as God spoke into my life, my perspective Change from heaviness, this is difficult going to, no, this is training. I want to grow you. I want to take you to a new place in your life. I want you to discover things you haven't discovered before. I said, God, okay, I'm good with that. So do you notice how my perspective changed? Another thing that the prophetic does is it increases faith. Now notice faith comes from? Did you all notice what you've just said? No, faith comes from hearing. Faith starts with hearing. Don't jump faith starts with the word of God. Faith starts with hearing. Are we hearing from God? Then hearing comes from the word of God. So in other words, there's an intermediate step and we often overlook it. We just say faith and God's word. No, faith means believers who are hearing from God. It's one of the, the ways in which the prophetic works. There, there is an increase in faith. Prophetic renews our minds. We need to have our minds renewed all the time. Because why? We tend to see and think in the natural. But remember, God is God of spirit. And there's a spirit world and there's spirit life. And God wants us to get it in terms of what's happening in the spirit realm. Do you, do you understand where, where we're going when we talk about the benefit of prophecy? So... One of the lies I think that needs to be dealt with is that this is only for a select group of people. This is only for special people. You know, those who've got the prophetic gifting. If that's the case, why does the Bible say desire the spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy? If only certain group of elite people are meant to hear the word of God. When you get born of the Spirit... Everybody gets the ability to hear from God. Can I say that again, church? When you get born of the Spirit, everybody gets the ability to hear from the Lord. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Do you notice one of the characteristics of sheep is that they hear his voice. So look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Who among, this is a very interesting scripture. Who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? So Brad, the only thing, the, the, the thing that knows what's really going on inside of you is your spirit. Inside of you. you could, some of you are looking really wonderful and blessed, but I wonder what you're thinking right now. Does your face match what's going on in your heart? That's what, what he's saying over here. The, the, except the man's spirit within him in the same way. No one knows the thoughts of God except the Holy Spirit. And we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirits from God, that we may understand what God has freely given to us. You get the picture? 
So that the Spirit of the Lord who dwells within us, remember you are the temple. The Spirit dwells in you and the Spirit of God speaks to my spirit so that I can hear from God and know what's on the heart of God. That's the key thing. You see, the church needs to hear God's voice because of what God is doing on the earth. And I say that again, the church needs to hear his voice because of what God is doing on earth. Do you know that God's busy establishing his kingdom on the earth? It's never going to come in all of its fullness. But do you know that since the coming of Jesus, the kingdom's being established? Do you remember when Jesus drove a demon out of a man? He said, if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come to you. In other words, where there's a deliverance, that's a manifestation of the kingdom of God and what God is doing on the earth. See, the the prophetic always focuses on what God is saying. It, it, It always alerts us to what God is doing. How God's will is taking place, which is very different to what might be happening in the natural. There might be things going on in the natural which you think, well... Where's God in all of this? Well, that's why you sometimes need to have a word and a prophetic word. Look at this in Acts 18. Paul is in the city of Corinth. Now, for those of you who know New Testament times, it was an intense time of persecution. There was a lot of negativeness about the church. And so often you'd find Paul would preach and minister in the city and then he'd get out quickly because they wanted to stone him to death. But God gives him a prophetic word in Acts 18. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. And he says, don't be afraid. Keep on speaking. Don't be silent. I am with you. No one's going to attack and harm you because I have many people in the city. And so Paul stayed for a year and a half teaching the word of God. Did you see in a very situation that was, was, was quite fearful, a situation where he might have felt, I need to get out. God's saying to him, no, you hang on here. Nothing's going to happen to you. That's a word to you. It's what was happening in the natural and what God is saying in the spiritual were two different things. Look at Acts 13. is the next scripture. Do you know that the missions movement of the church was launched through a prophetic word? Did you know that, that the gospel began to extend? Look at this in the church in Antioch. There were prophets. And, and they were worshiping and they were fasting. And the Holy Spirit said, set apart Paul and Barnabas. Didn't say set apart 25 people, just two people. You see, God can speak that specifically. And we discover the gospel starts to gain traction from that moment onwards as people start to listen to what God is saying. In the early church, hearing from God was Normal, not abnormal. We've kind of made it like you get sort of get the, into the super spiritual part of the meeting as people bring prophetic words. It's like, where's that come from? It's supposed to be normal. And when we make it sound extraordinary, otherworldly, you know what happens to people? They say, that ain't for me. And a lot of people get disqualified from that. Hearing from God is probably the single most important aspect of being a believer in the church today. The prophetic is one of the ways in which we hear from God. So that's just a little bit of the prophetic gifting. Now let's look at the link between the prophetic and the Bible. Because to me, that's a hugely important thing. Do you know that the the Bible is the handbook to living in the kingdom? I don't know if you like me, but... I'm one of those guys, if I buy something new, 
I try and put it together without reading the instructions. Anybody else? <laughs> <I can? laughs> and you know what happens? Eventually along the line, I'm finding out like I've put a part here. So, and what do I then do? I take out the instructions. And I read through the instructions. Now, isn't it a bit, sometimes a bit like that for Christianity? You're kind of going along and you find, hmm, something's not working. Maybe I must go back to the handbook. You see, this is the handbook for kingdom living that God has given to us. And, and the interesting thing about that is in the Bible, we discover, and this is something hugely important. Prophecy is not meant to be a substitute for the Bible. Prophecy is not meant, in fact, I felt as strongly as to, uh, this morning to say as strongly as this, if you're not hearing from God for the Bible, don't run after prophecy in its place. Our primary source of hearing from God is meant to be the Word of God. And, and here's some scriptures, look at this, all scripture is God-breathed. Let's go to the next one, in 1 Peter no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. You notice God emphasizing the inspiration of Scripture. Hebrews 4. The, the Word of God is living and it's active. So, so our primary go-to place when it comes to hearing from God is the Word of God. And for those of you who, who do get pictures and all of that, please, when you're bringing prophetic words, ask yourself the question, how does this relate to the Word? which is our primary source of hearing. Maybe a comment on that. I think, and often we are not hearing from God because we haven't gone done the hard yards in learning and upskilling ourselves like we are meant to do in every area of spirit life. You're meant to grow and skill yourself in that. Interesting when you know, when you get into your car, for those of you who've got motor cars, if you've got a bicycle, whatever, isn't it interesting you just get in, close the door, and you can be talking to your friend, looking at what's happening around us, and you just drive away as though nothing happened. Do you remember the day you were a learner driver, and you were like reversing into people and doing all kinds of weird things, and today you are proficient because you learned? Friends, the same is true of the word. If you're not going to put the hard yards into God's Word, apply your mind, pray through things, you're going to get stuck. You're going to open and say, God doesn't speak to me through the Bible. Well, I'll tell you whose fault it is. Yours. I was interested in, I was listening to somebody talking about their reading of God's Word, and they said this, I read until He speaks. And then... And then people sort of asked the question, well, do you always know what it means when he speaks? And he said, no. But he said, here's my test. When my heart begins to burn within me as I'm reading, I know that I'm sitting on a gold mine. Isn't that interesting? Do you remember the disciples on the Emmaus Road when Jesus was speaking to them? They said, our hearts were burning within us. They didn't quite know what he meant, but their hearts were burning. Guys, when you read the Bible, your heart starts to burn. Stop and pause there and say, God, what are you trying to get through to me? You know, if you're going to find yourself at a gold mine, go gold mining. Spend time in the gold mine. Get the gold out. 
But you see, we, we read and we read and read and, and we say, Lord, this is, but I don't really understand. Let me move on to something I do understand. Friends, we've got to listen to the Spirit and what the Spirit is saying to us, where our hearts start to burn. Pause. Pray. Ask people. Dive into the Word. Let Him speak to you. Let's get enriched through that. You get it? So that's what I mean about the issue of substitute. But then the Bible also tells us that prophecy is a gift of the Holy Spirit. That's hugely important. And it's important, and there's some scriptures over there, you can look at them, I don't have time to, to really dive into that. But here's the point I want to make, is that the prophetic is supernatural. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. It's not a normal ability. And if it's not a normal ability, you've got to ask yourself the question, why does God give me a gift of the Holy Spirit? I'll tell you why. There's only one reason. Not so that you can do good ministry. It's because the Holy Spirit wants to work through you when you're obedient. Did you notice that Tom was saying that? This, when you're obedient, when God's given you a spiritual gift, it's because He wants to work. It's not about you doing anything. All we are is a servant. I don't know if any of you are, are watch any of the tennis when it comes to Wimbledon or anything like this. Do you notice that the guy who wins Wimbledon, they don't clap for his tennis racket? Imagine that. He brought his tennis racket. Okay, guys, let's give my tennis racket a, a round of applause. He couldn't have done it without the tennis racket, but it was the hand that held it that made the difference. Guys, if I can, we are the tennis racket. It's the hand that holds us that counts. It's the Lord. It's the Holy Spirit that's at work through us. That's why it's called a gift of the Spirit, because God's going to work through that gifting when you and I are intentional um, about using it. The Bible also tells us that prophecy is beneficial because it can be tested. Do, do, do you notice that uh, what makes prophecy and prophetic words so beneficial is that it can be tested against the Word of God and it can also be tested by other believers in the body. 1 Thessalonians, there the scripture is for you. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, weigh carefully what has been said. I want to make a comment around that. I have noticed as a pastor over the years that prophetic words and prophecies often dumbed down because people say this, there are false prophets around and there are often false words. People are just bringing their own stuff. So what we do is we throw the baby out with the bathwater. Guys, the Bible never says stop prophesying or stop bringing prophetic words. The Bible says weigh them up. Test them. Which leads me to say two things to you. Number one, if you're going to bring a prophetic word to the church, you need to be willing to have the word weighed. You need to be willing. You can't come up here and do your thing just because you're having your like wonderful moment in the Lord. The proper way to ensure that we're not only hearing from the word, but we're being obedient to what God is saying, is we need to weigh it. So if anybody's going to bring a word, that includes me, I need to allow you and the believers to weigh the word or test the word. 
But on the other side is, and, and this is something I need to say to you as a church, you need to be testing the word you receive as well. When last did you have a prophetic word on a Sunday morning that you said, let's pause, we're going to test this. I want some feedback. Is this resonating? Do we believe this is from the Lord or should we discard it? And, and the reason I'm saying that is God has given us an, a most amazing mechanism to test the words so that when we do receive a word, we know it's from God. And if you're hearing from God, that's huge. If I'm hearing from God, that's something really huge. But then the Bible also says something else that's quite interesting. Our confidence in the prophetic comes from the way we treat the prophetic. That makes sense to you? When we, when we treat prophecy as kind of an optional extra, uh, or it's something only for charismatics, <laughs> or something that's just an add-on or unimportant, rather than the integral way we do church, do you know what happens when we do that? We dishonor the Lord and stand in judgment of what He's given to the church. That's a scary thing. When people start saying, well, we don't have prophetic words and we don't believe that's important, etc., 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 you've just stood in judgment of God. You've just been critical of what God has said about His church and the way that He intends to work through His church. And there you've got some scriptures over there. 1 Corinthians 12, the same Spirit, the same God works, all of them in all men talking about the gifts. And... Uh, Look at the interesting one is 1 Corinthians chapter 14. It's talking about prophecy in a meeting like this. And it says if an unbeliever or someone who doesn't understand comes in while everybody is prophesying, he will be convinced by all that he's a sinner, that he'll be judged by all and the secrets of his heart will be laid bare. So he'll fall down and worship God exclaiming, God's among you. Wow. Imagine what happens when we say we're not going to prophesy. We don't really believe in that anymore. Or it's just an add-on extra. The main thing is the singing and the preaching. And there's an unbeliever sitting over here or somebody who's inquiring and you start to use the gift God has given you and suddenly God starts to challenge their heart. And there's a guy saying, wow, I've now discovered God's among the people of God for the first time. That's amazing. But it all comes through our attitude. It comes through our approach, the way we treat prophecy. You see, the confidence comes when we treat it the right way. Now, I want to finish with this and look at some of the benefits of prophecy for the church. Remember that prophecy is, prophecy is, is for the benefit of the body. And there are four things I'm going to leave you with. First one is, Prophecy alerts people to the love and goodness of God. It's for the strengthening, encouragement, and comfort of God's people. When you and I become aware of God's love and goodness, guess what happens? Encouraged, strengthened, and comforted. And you know, isn't it true to say that we are living in quite discouraging and dark times at the moment. Not only in South Africa, all over the world. Isn't it interesting though, even though we're living in dark times, God's still at work? 
Isn't it interesting that God's still a God of miracles? Isn't, isn't it interesting that God's still powerfully at work? Despite all of that stuff? You see, what we're going through on the planet doesn't change who God is. The trouble is, when those things start to overcome us, we back off and back down as Christians because we are no longer seeing the Lord. We are no longer alert to God and what God is doing. Friends, this is the day of miracles. This is the day God is at work amongst us. This is the day to be trusting God. Be careful because I'm hearing way too many Christians speaking way too negatively and I'm wondering if they even know the Lord sometimes. We are living in times when this is God. Do you know what's interesting about the time when the church grew the most and people were the most on fire for God? It was the time when they were most persecuted. Because people weren't allowing what was happening in the world to dictate their lives. The Lord was. There were people in touch with God. Church, this is our moment. This is our opportunity. Let's keep our eyes fixed on Him. Let's be listening to what He's saying. Because I believe God's still at work in big Big ways. So that's the first one. Second benefit is that God prophecy keeps us focused on the reality. We can put the next one up there, Chris. The reality of the kingdom. Prophecy has the amazing ability to remind us of what God is doing and what the Spirit is saying. And it affects our environment. Let me put it to you like this. You are not supposed to be living from earth to heaven, but heaven to earth. Christians, it's your kingdom come on earth. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God has given us this book. And God has given us prophetic words so that we can look at life through what He's doing. And He said, I'm establishing my kingdom. Lord, we're praying your kingdom come. Friends, it means that we must be praying by faith through what, around what God has said so that His will can be done on the earth. The tragedy for me, the tragedy for me, I see people no longer really praying because they're looking at life through this world instead of through the eyes of heaven. I want to tell you, if I took each one of you for five seconds into heaven, you would transform your prayer life completely. See, that's when I talk about the reality of the kingdom. Prophetic words, what do they do? They focus us on the kingdom all the time. Thirdly, Responding in the right spirit. If you don't know it by now, things are going to go pear-shaped sometimes, Glenda. <laughs> People are going to be difficult. Things are going to happen that are going to stir up your old man or your old nature. Instead of saying, Lord, I want to minister to them, you want to do this kind of ministry. It's true. But prophecy enables us to respond in a different spirit. The spirit of the Lord. What does 
God want me to do in this situation? How does God want me to behave in this situation? You, you get the idea? Um, two ex- here, let, me, let me use an example. There are some scriptures there as well. Do you remember what happened to Joseph in the Old Testament? He was a young guy, loved the Lord, a bit arrogant, gave his brothers a hard time. He was his dad's favorite. He was spoilt. A lot of things that are some negatives. The one thing about Joseph is he loved the Lord. And one day God gave him a word. And the word was this. One day all your brothers and your mom and dad are going to bow down in front of you. You can have a position of authority. And then what happens after that? Everything goes pear-shaped. It's like he gets this word from the Lord... And then he's like, God, were you actually serious? Like my brothers sell me. I mean, that doesn't really fit in with the word, does it? In fact, it seems like things are going in the opposite direction. Then he gets into part of his house and, and God starts to bless part of his house because of Joseph. And then his wife hits on Joseph. She wants to get sleep with the guy and he's like saying, I want to honor God. Guess what happens? Off to prison. Injustice. But Lord, you said I was, my mom and dad were going to bow down before me. What's going? It's going from bad to worse. And then what? And then in prison. Do you remember what happens to him in prison? The butcher and the baker, whatever they were. Was the wine taster and the baker, I think. But do you remember they, they have dreams? Joseph's faithful. Even in prison, he's willing to carry on with his ministry. Interprets their dreams for them. Please remember before Pharaoh when you get... When you released, well, the one guy got released, the other guy got hung out to dry a little bit. <laughs> but here's the point. The Bible says he was forgotten for two years. But he's got a prophetic word. But here's the thing I want to share with you. I believe one of the things that keeps Joseph going is he knows God has spoken. And the reason he's being faithful in Potiphar's household, God has spoken. The reason he rejects Potiphar's wife, God has spoken. The reason he ministers in prison, God has spoken. And then one day the word that God spoke came to be true. And Joseph was able to say, you meant this for evil, but God meant it for good for the saving of many lives. That's what I'm talking about, the right spirit. There's even the example you read of, of Agabus. I haven't got the scriptures up over there. There's two examples of it. Let me tell you in case you're making notes. One is Acts 11 and the other one's Acts 21. Same guy, same prophet, by the way, Agabus. In the one he's told about, there's a famine that's going to break out. So you know what the believers do? They believe the word of God. They start collecting some money and they go and help the believers where there's a famine. That's how they respond in the right spirit. The other one is where he takes Paul's belt and ties his arms with it. And he says, Paul, you're going to run into quite a lot of flack in Jerusalem. They're going to put you in prison. And in a sense, Paul is able to say, I'm willing to lay my life down for the gospel. I'm prepared for what lies ahead. The Holy Spirit wasn't trying to scare him off. The Holy Spirit was trying to prepare him for what lay ahead. And the last thing. Okay. The last thing is, uh, it changes the spiritual, I couldn't think of a better phrase, the spiritual temperature of our meetings. You see, 
Do you remember that scripture I read to you from 1 Corinthians 14? An unbeliever comes in amongst you and there's prophecy. Imagine if that's all heavy and dark and everybody's being negative and, you know, I had a terrible week and it's really hard and, wow, and, you know, God didn't answer my prayers and, you know, I'm actually struggling to... Have a couple people bring a prophetic word and it shifts the whole thing. There's a lift, that gloom, that heaviness. Sometimes it's oppressive. Sometimes it's of the enemy. It lifts off the meeting. And then what does people start saying? God's among you because we're entering into the prophetic. And there's a whole change in the dynamics. So that's me, but let me finish off with three things. Number one, remember that everybody here is a minister. I am not the minister. I'm the equipper. You are the ministers. Please put your hand up if you say, I'm a minister. Let me see. Some of you, come, come, come. Anybody? Put them up higher. Okay. Have you got it? You come here on Sunday to? Aha. That's nice, Brad. You've just got to change. You've got a whole lot of more ministers that come to church. But you'll notice that 1 Corinthians chapter 14 says, and when you come together, one has a song, the other has a prophecy, the other has a testimony. It says, when you come together, don't only come to receive, come to give. How many of you came here this morning prepared to give? Be honest. Three, a few of you. Okay, that's good. We've got about 10%, another 90 to go. And then the church will be what Jesus wanted it to be. And I'm not trying to be hard-nosed with you. I'm really wanting to encourage you. I want to call it out of you. Because if everybody came here, just take 10, 15 minutes before. Say, Lord, what do you want me to bring today? Imagine how exciting church gets. I mean, we won't even have enough time for a preacher because everybody's going to be ministering. And somehow I think that's what it's meant to be like. That's when church starts to get... Exciting. And the third thing, what have I got here? Guys, we are meant to be living by the voice of God. Not only when you come to church. Do you know you're meant to be listening to God when you're driving in the traffic? Do you know you're meant to be listening to God when you go shopping? Do you know you're meant to be listening to God when you're praying? Do you know that you're meant to be listening to God if you're playing sport? Do you know that everywhere we're supposed to be hearing from God? Here's why Tom brought the word about blinkers and a hot air balloon. I think most of us have limited us hearing from God in this space. And God is saying, that's not the way it works. I'm always with you. You are the temple of the Who's the temple of the Holy Spirit? Please, can the temples please put up their hands? Okay, that's quite good. So who, when you go home, did you leave God here in CCFM? Who's with you? The Holy Spirit. Isn't that awesome? I mean, do you remember in the Old Testament when, uh, when they built the temple? And... Uh, and it says, and this, 
this, the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord came upon the temple and the priests couldn't even get in. Do you remember that? Like, guys, the Spirit of the Lord's in you. That Spirit coming upon a building is what's going on inside of you and me right now. Where the priests couldn't enter, He is Wow. Wow. Do you see how we need to broaden our perspective? When you get up tomorrow, start by saying to yourself, I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. The living God of glory that nobody can look upon. Even the, the creatures that are around the throne are covering their eyes because of His majesty and His glory. That God is with me. That's what it means to be a temple. And guys, people who have the temple or the temple or the Holy Spirit in them can hear from the Spirit. That's who we are. Can you, take, can you receive that, church? Okay. Am I allowed to do a bit of ministry or was it too late? Okay. So, so, so what I wanted to do, and I, can, I want to just call out a few people uh, just to the, to the front over here. So, John, if you can come, and Tom, you can come, and Sharon, you can come. And Gertrude, you can come. Just come stand in the front, yeah? Now, I'm not going to make them do anything funny. But this is what I'd like to do this morning. If you would like a prophetic word prayed over you, I want to invite you to come to the front and allow them to minister to you. You're not allowed to t tell them what you're coming for. If you've got a prophetic word, you don't need to hear from the person. You just need to hear from the Lord. So we're going to put this into practice this morning. Where's Kevin and Cora? They're going to sing us a song. For those of you, know, do you how many of you know that Come Holy Spirit one? Buso, you know that one? Some of you, okay. Well, you guys need to catch up a bit. Okay, so... Um, so we're going to just uh, allow some singing. Am I off the air? Okay. Uh, just allow a bit of singing. And, um, and I want those who would like ministry just to come to the front. For those who would, who would like to go, I want you to feel free. The meeting is formally over.